0: Hello and welcome to the Thursday night postgame show with me, Jordan and Brady and David, our weekly deep dive slash semi instant reaction show to Georgia State's latest game on the gridiron. This time we'll be talking about the Panthers 41 to 24 win over the Marshall Thundering Herd on Saturday night in Atlanta. So let's go ahead and give you a bit of a recap of what went down. The two teams traded touchdowns on their respective opening drives before the game's first big momentum-changing play when Cam Marshall blocked a thundering herd punt and Isaiah Guy returned it four yards for the score to make it 14-7 GSU. It's the first blocked punt by the team since the 2013 season and the first special team's touchdown since 2018. The Panthers pushed their advantage to as much as 27-10 before Marshall answered back right before the half to make it a 27-17 game at the break. The scoring hit a lull as each team squandered opportunities past the 50, and it looked like the third quarter would be a scoreless 15 minutes until, on the final play of the quarter, Marshall quarterback Cam Fancher found running back Rasheen Ali for an improbable 65-yard receiving touchdown, which cut the deficit to three. Things went from bad to worse when Georgia State was forced to punt on their next drive, but when the Herd committed a roughing-the-kicker penalty on the punt, the drive continued and eventually ended in the end zone, courtesy of Darren Granger's second rushing touchdown of the night. The victory was academic when Marcus Carroll got his first TD with 1 minute 42 to go to give us our final score. The win leaves Georgia State at 5-1, their best ever start through six games. They're also 2-1 in Sunbelt play with pivotal head-to-head tiebreakers over Coastal Carolina and Marshall secured. So, gentlemen, thoughts on this Marshall game?
1: Yeah, I'll I'll read out a little bit more. I'll hit the final stats. Um, Georgia State edged down Marshall in total yardage. 474-457. to 457. Really balanced effort for Georgia State in this game. 240 on the ground. 200 and 234 through the air. Marcus Carroll, kind of the standout stats guy in the game for the offense. He had 159 of the 240 rushing yards. He had the one touchdown. Darren Granger added two touchdowns of his own on the ground. 62 yards rushing to go along with the 234 passing yards. Tyreek Williams was the receiver who had his big day. He had six catches for 129 yards and a touchdown that was a 74-yarder right before the half is what made it the 27-10 game. And on the defensive side of things, Kevin Swint got credited with two sacks, and he also had the force fumble, which was the only turnover the game either side. Leading tackler was John Trey Hunter with eight tackles. Both Ty G. Leach and Gavin Pringle had seven apiece. Each of them tallied. The leech had two tackles for loss. Pringle had one and a half. The team had ten tackles for loss as a whole, three of those being sacks. Um, with that, I'll throw it to David. You can start us off with initial reactions to this win, five and one Georgia State.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you really got to start there um, and just take a step back and appreciate Georgia State's five and one and like they look good you know obviously they are coming out of a bye they lost their game previously to troy who uh as a matter of fact troy has played two games um since the georgia state troy game the touchdown that georgia state scored in the second quarter of that game was the last touchdown that troy has given up and they've given up three points since then total um so troy is tough but you know, I think as we said coming into this week, and if you you know kind of pay attention to the Vegas lines, Marshall's a good team. You know, if a couple of things go differently, uh, I believe last week Marshall would be two and zero in the ACC. You know, like they would be up there with UNC and you know Duke as teams <laughs> vying for the ACC championship. Yeah, this as year. it
1: stands, they almost would have had more some ACC wins and some. Well, I guess they're they're even on ACC and Sunbelt
2: Belt wins still. Right, ex- exactly. Um, you know, and I think I don't know that I saw a seventeen point victory um for Georgia State. Um, but Georgia State played well, you know, I think it looked a little bit closer than it necessarily had to be. Um, There were certain things that Marshall did well um, that, you know, I think Georgia State wouldn't want to fix. Marshall really lived by the big play. um, And that's something that we've seen with Georgia State, you know, time and time again this year um, on defense. But also Georgia State lived, you know, on the big play. Marshall, you know, I I love that sequence from Georgia State right before the half where, Georgia state kicks the field goal to go up 20 to 10 um, Marshall punted. And then you look at it and it's just like, well, you know, there's a minute 37 left. Let's be kind of conservative. And then, you know, you know, normally we see Georgia state be a little bit conservative, but you know, there was that really nice, uh, it was a beautiful route that Tyleek ran. Um, there's just a slant, like, it, you know, it wasn't it was a beautiful crazy.
1: holding the ball all the way to the goal line and no
2: further. Exactly. Um and it just – it was a really nice – it was a really well-designed play. Georgia State got points. And, yeah, there was a moment in the second half where the deficit got down to three points. Um, Georgia State kind of started off the second half slowly. Um, but, they, you know, they they never – they never folded. You know, I, even when Marshall – scored um after those first few drives i mean marshall put some drives together but then georgia state's defense got off the field you know their first drive out of the half you know turnover on downs and then marshall fumbled on their next drive and even when georgia state's offense really doing a lot um, i want to get your thoughts on the fourth down uh the fourth down and like that drive was weird um but even when georgia state wasn't moving the ball their defense was good and keeping Marshall out of the end zone. And then Marshall scores in the third, you know, kind of at the end there. And then Georgia state just kind of goes back to being, all right, we're the Panthers this year. You know, we're going to be really good on the ground and just bulldoze over teams and, you know, kind of look like the Georgia state that you've come to expect.
1: Yeah. I mean, my big picture takeaways from this game was, It wasn't the most yards they've gotten in a game in 2023. That's still the 250 they got against UConn. But this was the best running game that they had had, just consistently getting plays. It wasn't the huge runs like you had against Rhode Island and like you had against UConn. The biggest run was Darren Granger's 24-yard touchdown run. Marcus Carroll had a 20-yard run. Darren had another 20-plus-yard run in a different point in the game. Other than that, it was a lot of chunks. It was, you know, there was a key third down late in the game. where it was third and nine. Marcus Carroll got 16. Freddie Brock got in the action. He had two carries and uh, 19 yards. And it was kind of what I think we saw a lot in the 2019 season with that offense and how that offense just kind of asserted themselves. The offensive line, I think, had their best game against... You know, I think it's a Marshall defense that's not as good as they were last year, especially against the run. But they came up with some stops that showed they've still got something. It was still an impressive feat to get this many yards on the ground against them Um, and, and doing it without any huge home run runs, but just kind of getting what you needed to all the way throughout the game. I think that's the the biggest thing from the offense that I was encouraged by, because I think we've been waiting to see that type of game. Like, yes, you take them however they come, but we know that that's how they really want to have their base offense role. And to finally see it in the game this year, instead of it being a little bit wishy-washy, a little bit big play dependent, big thumbs up. And the other thing is... I, it was a little bit teetery there, the final drive. Um, Marshall had a chance in the red zone when it was all done, but you know the, the time running out where they could have gotten it to 31 points. But Georgia State is the stop at the end, and every FBS opponent they have held and every team they have played since the opener against Rhode Island, they have held under 30 points. It's something that after the game, both Coach Elliott and Kevin Swint Showed pride in. said it's a a point of pride for the defense that they've been able to keep that streak going.
2: And I was I really it, nervous. I, I like I yeah, I was so. really nervous because it I I felt that Marshall would move the ball because Georgia State was obviously they weren't, you know, the defense wasn't active, you know, fine. But it was the the first and 10 um at the 45, um, where they got 20 yards. I was like, ooh. I don't know. This is going to be really close. And, you know, to that point specifically, I, I don't want to just gloss over like, oh, Georgia State gave up 30 points to an FCS school. Rhode Island has scored 30 plus in five of their seven games. You know, they might well, only and, be four and three, but like this is not a Rhode Island team but, that isn't putting up points against people yeah, because they are.
1: I, and I mean, we all kind of agree now that we've seen the Stevens a lot more that that was an aberration. Like it was a bit of a worry after just the one game. Cause that's all that we had that this is going to be a little bit of a drawn out process to kind of find it, but they clicked immediately in the Yukon game and haven't really changed since. And I think this is probably the best offensive team they've placed. They played now. I think, especially when you have a guy like Rasheed Ali, I think he might be the best individual like skill position guy that they've had to go up against. And he certainly showed out in this one. um, But they still were able to keep them to that 24. Um, The big plays came. A couple of them resulted in scores or led directly to scores, which was a a bit of a change to where in the last couple of games, uh, Georgia State's given up some big chunks, but it hasn't necessarily led to that touchdown. Uh, But on the other drives, they were coming up with stops. And especially in the second half, they turned it on because I mentioned those 10 tackles for loss and three sacks. All three of those sacks were in the second half to go along with seven total TFLs in the final two quarters, which it felt like everything started to click. They started to get home more. You had like Taiji Leach and guys coming down and playing the run really well and starting to get those losses, keeping Marshall behind schedule. And I guess to to put a bow on my initial kind of takeaway there with the defense is it just feels like it's a good unit. Like it feels like the steps that they've taken have been more than the modest improvements that I think we were expecting just because you can't put too much expectation on Chad Staggs coming in in year one, not having a spring to kind of even do any kind of basic install, but they've been exactly what this team has needed. They have been keeping teams in a, in a range where with the, the potential this offense has to score they're in every game. And in this one, when they dropped 41, that was a convincing win in the end.
2: And, you know, if you were to look at the Sunbelt teams um, and you, you know, you sort by, okay, what's the points per game? You'll see Georgia State is six, but it, there's a lot of teams bunched up right there between second place, James Madison at 20 points per game. And sixth with Georgia State at twenty three point eight points per game, and I think the you know the 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 thing that I appreciated about the defense versus Marshall was it's college football. Marshall has talent, you know. With you like you said, Marshall might be the best offense. They might have had the best skill position player uh, that Georgia State has seen so far this year. I I tend to agree with that.
1: It, it's Mar- not going to last, but it does. It is a true statement for now. Uh, absolutely wait
2: absolutely next <laughs> But the thing with Marshall moving the ball in this game, they had to have the big plays to score. You, you know, you had the big run early in the in the first quarter, and then there was busy play um, in the third quarter, which was Marshall's only score in the second half. Other than that, a lot of Marshall's drives just did not have the juice. That they needed for them to move the ball effectively, and, and like like it, it is a good defense. It's a defense that I think does not get enough credit for how they have gotten off the field, simply because those first two games they weren't able to. The numbers didn't look great. You know they were bend don't break, and the, you know that's fine. Yeah, it but was, I think what
1: sixty percent pres- third down in the first two games, which those numbers lie even a little bit, but you are what your numbers say you are, and that's what it was two weeks into the season.
2: Exactly, you know, and if you it, when you look at it today, the numbers might not necessarily reflect great on Georgia State because it's it's forty six point six seven percent. That's twelfth in the conference. I would be shocked if it was that high. If you take out those, like it, it when you take out those first two games where you know Rhode Island was in the fifties and then UConn was in the sixties. It's it's not the same number, you know. Even in conference play, that number shrinks down to forty two point eleven percent. And I think that's is. simply because Troy was able to get some third down. Like they, I think Troy got three third downs on that very last drive that they had. And that's just you know when you have you're talking about a small sample. That's how the percentages go.
1: Against just FBS team, so it takes out just the Rhode Island game, moves up to tenth in the conference, forty one point four three, which. Still, you'd want it to be in the 30s. You'd love it if you have a 20%, something in the 20s for third down conversion as a defense. But 41 as a season total will be a lot more manageable. And in this game, it was 4 of 11. It was below that. It's like 36%, maybe. 36.5, I think.
2: Yeah, and, you know that that is a good total. And
1: contrast that to the offense getting seven to fifteen against Marshall's defense, which came in allowing just twenty three percent on third down. So, you know, you want to look at the game. I think we can stick with the defense for now, just to keep it kind of thematic. But there's kind of your story because there were drives where Marshall got a couple of first downs, maybe moved it into Georgia State territory, but more often than not, the, the defense was able to get up a stop at that point, force a punt. And there were a lot of other drives where they're getting three and outs and just not letting anything happen. And, um, I, I think it started with, okay. On the first drive for Marshall's, uh, offense, Rasheen Ali, we talked about him. We'll mention him a few times because he really kind of showed up everywhere in this game for them Had a 54 yard run, set them up in the red zone. They scored a couple of plays later. So Marshall ended up with 156 rushing yards on the night. That is the most Jordan State's given up in a game this year on the ground. If you take that out uh, for the purposes of this exercise, they ended up with, on every other rush, they had 102 yards on 33 carries, which rounds out to 3.09 yards per carry. And there's a little bit of sack adjusted. I don't have the sack adjusted numbers in front of me, but... The number wouldn't be drastically different, and kind of the point of it is that I think on the face of it, especially if you knew that they gave up a fifty-four, fifty-four yard rush on the first drive, ending up in one fifty-six would feel like a win.
2: It absolutely feels like a win. You know, I think the, the that three point something number you mentioned that'll play. That absolutely will play because yeah, I think three point oh nine. Yeah, running the ball was just not really an effective option for Marshall for a lot of what they wanted to do and how they wanted to play it off the pass. Especially in the second half.
1: I thought that there was a real flip, and I mentioned the TFLs earlier. I think it was the first or the second play of the second half was a TFL on the run, uh, Justin Abraham on Ali, and it continued from there. And you had Leach really diving down and making those plays against the run. And it felt like it really started to snowball – in a good way for the Georgia State defense, where they kind of got a little bit of steam behind them, especially against the run. Taking away once the big plays stop happening, they, you know they they were not able to have kind of consistent success like Georgia State was in getting chunk plays on the ground, just even like five six yards.
2: I wish we had the sack adjusted numbers individually because it says that Fancher had only nine rushing yards, but he had a few plays where he was able to, you know, cross the line of scrimmage and, you know, kind of use his feet. Yeah. And that was the
1: the difference between the first and the second half is like, there was some good pressure in the first half. Like, I don't think that they got much on Troy's quarterback, Gunnar Watson. He felt pretty comfortable all night. And that was kind of the part of the problem. So when you look at the first half of the defense, they didn't get any sacks, but I felt like they actually had a good pressure plan. They got into the backfield. It was just this week they were facing a guy in Fancher who's, you know, shifty. He was able to make something out of nothing on these plays where a defender kind of had him dead to rights. And they finally got home on some sacks in the, the second half. And a couple other times they didn't get the sack. They affected the throw a little bit better. And it just... Sometimes you got to tip your cap and say a mobile quarterback who was able to do enough on his feet. And a couple of them were like third down scrambles to get the first down, extend some drives in the first half. A lot less of that was happening in the third and fourth.
2: And, you know, the broadcast did something that was really insightful. And I feel like as soon as they said it, Georgia State started to be better at it. A lot of what allowed Fancher to be shifty was because... He was able to kind of manipulate his shoulders in a way where Georgia State wasn't able to grab him. Once Georgia State got on his front shoulder, his right shoulder, it was over. And just, I thought that was a really nifty tidbit because it's fun to hear that sort of analysis and then see it happen almost immediately.
1: And you know we keep beating this point to death because it keeps being true in every game. When you look at the guys who are making these big plays, you know it's Swint with his two sacks and the forced fumble. It's Leach, who I've mentioned multiple times, is kind of changed the game as much as a safety can in the second half against the run. It's the guys that came in in the offseason. You know Pringle again had one and a half tackles for loss and. He came on a corner blitz in the first half and he didn't get home on the blitz, but it was a third down and he forced kind of an awkward throw out to the dump off guy for Fancer and it was an incomplete pass and the punt team came out after that. It isn't just that they brought in Chad Stags Before they even had a new coordinator, before they knew they were going to need a new coordinator, they did a really good job of IDing guys to replace the people they lost, where it's not even just like, oh, this person is not missing when you look at you know, someone stepped in to replace your Thomas Gores, your Jameel Mohameds. It's that literally one-to-one, all the people that they lost have been replaced in the production by the guys they brought in and said, hey, we want you to be starting at the spot where we used to have this guy. And, you know, in the transfer portal world, you're going to have guys come in every year. Like the the new reality is you're probably going to bring in at least a dozen transfers every year, it feels like. But that doesn't mean you're going to hit like you could have a position that you need to fill and have a guy that looks like he's going to be the right fit and it might not work out. So to kind of go 100 percent on all of these guys they brought in for starting spots on the defense. That's a big reason why the defense has taken the step that it has and that they have
2: been so effective. Yeah, they, I mean, they really have not missed. Um, you know, you had Ronald Cooper making plays in the game. You already mentioned Tyji Leach. You know, I mean, we have talked about Gavin Pringle all year. Um, it's it's just been a really good defense that has gotten contributions from basically every level. I you know I think everywhere on the defense has been you know somebody has shown up in a way that you we kind of expect them to, but it, you know it varies by game who it's going to be and you know how they're going to make that impact.
1: And I think the, the point of growing into the game is also just as important as kind of like game-wise, it mattered that, you know, when Georgia State took a 34-24 lead, the defense followed up by getting a big stop there, and that's when the offense embarked on the eventual just clock-killing game-ending touchdown drive. But we've talked about it in the offseason in some of these early games where it's like. This team has said, we're bringing in a new strength conditioning. We're going to be a different team than last year that kind of wilted in the second half. And yeah, both teams struggled to score in the second half, especially, you know, almost no one scored in the third quarter at all until Marshall was able to hit that kind of freaky touchdown. But Georgia ended up winning the second half margin. And it's another game where they definitely did not fall down the stretch. And after the Troy game, I think both sides of the ball, there were questions, especially on the offensive side, how they're going to look. but. Defensively, they played their better game in the second half. And, you know, Marshall, whatever adjustments they were trying to make, you know, they scored 17 in the first half. They only got seven points on one big 65 yard touchdown in the second half. And Georgia State was the team who was up at that point. And so they were able to keep that lead, even though offensively, I think it was a great game from the offense, but they left a couple of chances in the third quarter in plus territory wanting kind of left the door a little bit open. But except for that brief moment before the roughing the kicker penalty on Marshall, it didn't really feel like anything was in danger.
2: Yeah. I mean, we can do the offense. Um I, it's weird because when you look at the offensive stats and you kind of watch the game plan, It definitely felt like they were in control of what they wanted to do. And then, you know, in that third quarter, like the the fourth down play, I I, I don't – I think I understood the read and I understood what Georgia State was trying to go for. I just think that they got a little – like the execution just wasn't crisp. And given the game situation because Marshall had gotten so much closer um, in – Uh, Like it it was, it was a 10 point game at that point. And then right after that, Marshall scores. So it it felt like it was a bigger moment, obviously. And Georgia State got the ball on the fumble anyways. Um, But it it felt, I don't know. It it really felt like in the third quarter, Georgia State was okay. Like they moved the ball okay. Um, It just, it just didn't work. And they just didn't get in the end zone. Like those, those third quarter drives were really, you know, they were they were, Long ish for how Georgia State was They weirdly died about the exact same point in the field. <laughs> exactly. You know, it wasn't that Georgia State was getting three and outs. It's just that they would get a first down and you know, move the ball a little bit and they would just kind of die. Like they would just sputter. And I think we haven't really seen those types of drives from Georgia State in a couple of years. Like it's, it felt very like, okay, the last couple of years for me anyway has really felt like Georgia State is either moving the ball, you know, either big play or, you know, slow and methodical down the Field and then you know they'll either score, you know, get a touchdown or they'll you know kick a field goal or whatever. This year, it's really felt like sometimes they'll move the ball instead of being stopped right away, and then they just kind of won't finish that, like, they'll they won't finish the drive. Um, on I like some how of their we're traction. starting with,
1: <laughs> I i already said it. I thought it was a great game for the offense, but I guess oh, we can do the, the negative. No, no, no,
2: no, no, hold on, hold on. I, I'm not saying it was a bad game, I'm talking about this one specific point. Um they'll move the ball a little bit and then they won't, you know, they won't score. And when you put that in the con, if you take out the context of the rest of the game, like in this game, you'll look at the third quarter and be like, wow, Georgia state was terrible. But then you look at the way that they've moved the ball the rest of the game. And it's like, well, no, this is just two drives that they happen to not have scored on. And you know, like part of why I say, I can talk about this. It's, they looked so good moving the ball the rest of the game. It really did feel like they did what they wanted to do against Marshall. You had the up tempo early in the first half. You had them kind of slow things down even before the you know bleed out the clock drive at the end, which was beautiful, by the way. It uh, I love those when it's on you know when you ha- when your team has the ball. Uh, it's it's really nice that after a game in which Darren looked like the decision making wasn't great and the execution was even worse that he went back to being the quarterback that he's been this year where the execution was great and the decision making was great it really it never felt like Georgia State really put the ball in harms way i believe there was a fumble i can't remember who it was yeah it was
1: um, darren on it was a third down and oh, that's it ended right up being a field goal drive so yes they still got points
2: out of it um lyman jumped on it That's correct. It would have gotten them the. He got the first down with the forward progress, but he had fumbled it right before he. So yes, I do remember that. Um, But yeah, like it really felt like they had a great game plan and they were doing. um, They were doing what they wanted to, and I'm curious. Did you track the empty sets? No, because it wasn't
1: really a factor in this game. Like they were doing a lot of damage on other stuff, which I don't know if it was a film thing. They had like the double stacked receivers on each side to start. Marshall was playing like the softest cushion imaginable, while still having like a cornerback in the screen, um, and it, it was kind of reminiscent of the opening drive against Troy at Troy in 2020, where it was a different schematic thing, but they just kept running those screens, and they they switch the sides sometimes on this drive. Marshall would maybe have a corner cup up and play close to the line, so they just go to the other side and hit Ty Leak instead of doing it to Robert Lewis. And I think, you know, especially with the context of coming off of a bye after a disappointing loss where the offense only scored seven, I think that was a real like sigh of relief moment for fans watching because the offense immediately kicked it into gear. And before you even really blinked, Darren Granger's crossing the goal line, 24 yard touchdown run at seven nothing. And, you know, after that, Marshall started playing up on the line against those receivers for the most part, but they, they still got some of that screen game working. And I will. I will eat a little bit of crow because I did specifically talk about the perimeter screen game is like, I don't know what the plan is here last week. I, it was a big thing where I was just asking questions on what did, whether it was an effective play calling situation, but it worked in this game. It was, I don't know if it was a film study thing or if they tightened stuff up. I definitely think they got the personnel stuff right because it was getting out to Ty leak and Robert and it wasn't going to. You know, Kadarius Thompson or Ja'Kaius Crater, who I don't necessarily think are the perfect targets for that type of a screen. But the thing with Georgia State's offense is they aren't doing much fancy. And they're, they'll be the first ones to tell you that. Sean Elliott's the first one to say, like, we aren't doing much. We know what we want to do. We want to establish that inside zone and do it 50 times a game. But the thing that they do is when they find an edge, that's something that is working, whether it's formationally, whether it's a play that they're running, they will hammer you with it until you stop it. And it was the screens on that opening drive and the rest of the game, it was different run looks that they were getting against Marshall's front. And when you've got that personnel out and Georgia State's running the tempo, even if they aren't snapping it with 30-something on the play clock, if they aren't letting you substitute and they've got you in that formation they want you in, It's why you were seeing Marcus Carroll get these, you know, 12, 16-yard runs at a time and Freddie Brock on the action. And, you know, Darren Granger had to make the pull and it was his read to get his own read. He worked that because instead of the empty set stuff, in this game, I think almost entirely Darren's production on the ground came on zone reads where he'd pull it and the defender took Carroll, but Carroll didn't have the ball. And Darren took off and had a big run. He had it on the touchdown. The other 20 yard one was on a third down about midfield on the uh, touchdown drive I think that made it 34 24 and so yeah I think we saw on full display like what Trent McKnight wants to do and the thing that he has helped add that I think has been considerably better that we've talked about again multiple times is the explosiveness in the pass game because having said all that I've said about the run game and I think that it was the best game, all the rest of it the single most potent Offensive weapon Georgia State has is Tyreek Williams in space. He's one of the fastest players in the conference. And if he gets a head start like he did on that touchdown run, like he did on a screen pass, uh, I think a third down in the second quarter, I think it was, he is hard to catch. If he gets the edge, you aren't going to get him. And they have started to really make sure that when they're working the passing game, whether it's just a slant route, whether it's something on the outside, just a little screen pass. If Tyleek's in space, it is one of the better plays they can run, no matter who they're playing, whatever the
2: context, whatever down and distance. It's really funny, too, because I think from what we've seen and the numbers on the team talent-wise, it, like it's pretty clear that Robert Lewis is the best receiver on the team. And definitely. He's but, the most complete receiver. But then you'll watch a play like what Tyleek did, and you're like... I mean, you know, like because cause I think there are two components of that 74-yard touchdown. And, you know, that wasn't the only play that he had that was worth shouting out. Which, by but- the way, I asked Darren
1: after the game, when did you know that it, he had it? And he said, as soon as I threw it. He saw this. Th- there was a guy that was still running with, I think it was Jakari or Robert. And he said, as soon as that guy didn't turn and he got the catch, he was gone.
2: And see that you know I think Robert Lewis had a similar touchdown um, in the Charlotte game, but the, the the idea of getting those guys in space in the middle of the field at like medium depth, you know, obviously you have to run good routes in order to be able to do that. And then once Tylee got to the edge, he was gone. Like I looked, I looked up on my screen and I was like, he he has to beat a man in order to do it, but. If he beats this dude, it's over because there's absolutely there's nobody that's going to catch him because there's nobody on the right side of the screen because he was going left and once he got to that edge, he was gone. And like I, I, think there's the component of catching the ball, getting in space, like I said, but just that that top line speed you ju- you can't teach that man. Like it, it is truthfully something that's so impressive to watch, and it's not that Georgia State has one guy who can do that; they have two. I, I like I I don't remember I think we Georgia State has had really good receivers over the last few years. Um I don't remember a receiving room like this at Georgia State where you've just got two guys that truthfully can just beat the you know, that just turn on the afterburners and will just get behind you and beat you. Like it's if if a couple of balls go differently in that Troy game, I mean we're talking about both Lewis and Williams being all right, can they both get to 1,000 yards receiving this year? I don't think it's going to happen. You know, it's It would take a lot for them to get there. But, I mean, like there was a couple of plays in that Troy game where you could sit there after this week and say, well, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they both could probably make some noise in that respect.
1: Yeah, I chose my words carefully when I said what I said. The single most potent weapon. Because I agree. I think Lewis is well-rounded. He's got a full route tree. He is very good technician on the outside. The reason I use the word weapon with Tyleek and I talk about it in that way is Lewis, you're talking about on that touchdown against Charlotte, the 97 yarder time had to wait for that route to develop. Darren had to make a pretty tough throw. The reason I think Tyleek is so much of something that teams have to start accounting for is you can do that on a quick pass to the outside, you do it on a slant route and then he's just doing the rest himself. Give him space. Like, you don't have to wait for anything there with a developing route. You don't have to hope the protection holds up. All you have to hope is Darren makes a throw on the money and that a guy or two makes a block. And there was really good perimeter blocking this game. And I thought the offensive line maybe had their best game, but you also had really good moments. Uh, there uh, there was a screen Tyleek got. It was that third down I was talking about where Kadarius Thompson got the same guy twice. He kind of chipped him the first time and then came around when the guy was going to circle and get Tyleek. And he, hit him good the second time and kept him away, went down the field, got the yardage. Um, That's the thing. And that is hard to plan for. Like it is easy enough to say when you've got Robert Lewis, we've got a really good shutdown corner. Uh, We're just going to put him on one all game and hope that he's able to just bracket him and keep him good. You can send help over the top. It's kind of a whole defense approach if you know they've got this guy that they can get really simple concepts and he can do the work on. It's really something that, especially when that on what we think they can do in the run game, what they showed in the run game tonight, it's what makes this just a really devilish offense to face. And the guy at the center of it, Darren Granger, outside of the Troy game, has just been making the right decisions, making the right call at the line all season. And so we've seen what this offense can do scoring 41 again in this
0: game.
2: And I think even when Darren is, you know, there are stretches where he's not running the ball well, it just it doesn't matter. He just gets right back up there and goes right back to making those good plays. It's like it it, it truthfully has been a, a very impressive season for him.
1: Um, I just have one more little note that I noticed, um, and then we should really talk about it. We're saving the best for last, I think, because the, the special teams, the we the fence, as Coach Elliott calls it, which. I don't really know why, but I, I'll get to the bottom of that eventually. Maybe uh, the thing that I noticed on the offense is Titan Ferris, the central Michigan transfer worked in at right guard a few times. He ended up playing 28 snaps per PFF college um, subbed in for Trevor Timmons and Timmons was in and out. So it didn't feel like an injury situation. It felt like they were kind of just rotating. And what was interesting to me is Ferris had ended up playing right guard on that final clock killing drive. And so I, I'm just curious. It, it is a pivotal point in the game, and you had him in there, and I thought he played well. So I'm just interested if the, you know we've talked about how we think they're at least seven or so deep at the offensive line, and maybe competition's fierce, and you're seeing an experienced backup now getting a shot at some more reps. And so that's certainly I'm going to be I'm going to be interested to see what it looks like against Louisiana, who's starting a right guard, and what the rotation is there. A little thing in the weeds that I just picked up on rewatch. I didn't
2: need chart, to go ahead. That depth chart this week will be interesting to follow.
1: Yeah, and something something I did not need to rewatch for any kind of deep insight is noticing that that punt block for a touchdown really swung the game. And it's the type of special teams play I think Georgia State fans thought was going to come when a special teams coordinator was named last year. All they got was kind of the bad stuff that was happening. So it was an important moment. Obviously, we saw Marshall tried their own punt block later in the game, which I felt like was just a total wrong call, like the momentum. For the first time, maybe all game, really felt like it was in Marshall's corner to take the lead in the game. They try a punt block. They rough the punter. The rest is history. Yeah, Georgia State has been on the wrong side of that before. Maybe not literally like those two plays, but they have had a special teams play going against them and had something they could have corrected they messed up on special teams themselves to swing a game. Georgia state was the better special teams team in this game. And it
2: mattered in the result. It did matter. And, you know, before you even get to the punt block, you know, to shout out the defense again, it's, it's not like Marshall moved the ball. Well, right there. Marshall got a three and out and then we're punting, you know, relatively deep into their they were on the territory. It, right. And then, like, it's funny because that punt block has been coming for Georgia State for weeks. Like, you could absolutely see that guys have been extremely close to getting in front of the punter and not making contact. Like, you could definitely tell that they were beating their matchups on the edge. And it it felt like that punt block came out of nowhere in the context of this game. But no, like, that punt block has absolutely been brewing for this team for the last couple of weeks. And it absolutely flipped the game the game over like Georgia state had scored and Marshall had kind of matched them, you know, tit for tat, but then the offenses kind of didn't really do anything, but it still allowed Georgia state to have an extra something. And, you know, that's the thing that people have been saying with special teams for this team. Specifically special teams just needs to be a positive. You don't always have to return, you know, a kick for a touchdown or, you know, you don't always have to punt block, but sometimes it's nice to have those things to, increase your your offense to give your offense even a better chances to make some noise so that you know it was a perfect play for the panthers
1: and you know jordan had the numbers when we started the show first punt block in a decade first special team touchdown of any sort in five years those are far too long of stretches for special teams to not come up with some pay dirt and so you you end that Those two kind of yee trends, swing a game. And yeah, you're right. They have come a long way from having a, a pump block situation in week one against Rhode Island and just tackling the punter, getting there too early. You will note that Cam Marshall was not even that close to the punter. He was in position to just block it off the punter's legs when he kicked it. Isaiah Guy was there to scoop it up and score. And the other thing I will note, two freshmen. I love when you see the young guys on special teams and Isaiah guys also starting at cornerback. So this isn't his only opportunity, but guys making the most of their reps and it not being just, you know, it is great when Jordan Venzial as your senior leader goes and gets an onside recovery at coastal. You want to see those type of plays from the guys that you know, you're going to rely on when you start seeing it from the guys further down who aren't playing as much, who are younger, who have not had that much, much experience at the college level it speaks to something deeper that's happening with the culture and the buy-in and that the guys are trying to make plays with every opportunity. They are going to be on that green grass and certainly a big moment for it. Also want to shout out Liam Rickman, another two for two night, the man they call Bob Ross on the team. And the thing of it is, is it's not a, a foreign concept because you've had Noel Ruiz, you had, for at least a year, Brandon right and Michael Hayes, that you felt pretty comfortable within a certain distance they were going to get you a field goal. But with a guy who came in where it was kind of a battle, you didn't know how the kicking was going to shake out or how consistent it was going to be. He has given you exactly what you've needed. And I know that Coach Elliott doesn't love settling for field goals. And at any instance where he feels like it's maybe going to be a miss, he's just going to go for it instead because he'd rather get the points get in the end zone anyway. But in this game, at those two moments where they settle for the field goals, it was kind of makeable fourth downs if they wanted to try it, but both of the field goals would have made it a double-digit lead, and I at the time, it, it made sense to kick, and I think the thing you can say about Rickman that's the best compliment you could pay to him just six games into his college career is that Coach Elliott just trusts him. He wanted to get the points there. He's like, Liam's going to make this field goal. We're going to be good and get these points, and... It's not a new phenomenon for Georgia State, but I think it's a slightly unexpected one just because it was a little bit all up in the air ahead of the season.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, Coach Elliott has talked about it before. He really does not like to leave points on the board. Um, You know, take your points, be smart, but he's definitely not a guy who likes to trade three for seven points or, you know, three for four, whatever the, the math is there. Um, but Rickman has been a steadying force, you know, and I I say that like there was a huge controversy or a huge problem. I think it was just more the unknown coming into the year, like you mentioned. And he, I mean, he's been really solid. I don't know that there's ever been a chance where it's like, yeah, he's not going to hit this. Yeah. He's, you know, struggling today. And that's just not something that has happened with him so far this year. And that's, I mean, that's, it's like I said, with the other parts of the special teams, you just want the positive. It's
1: truly all you want to have as a certainty as a college kicker. Because while it's great if you've got someone who can walk off 60 yarder like the Missouri kicker got, you really just want to make sure if you're within 40 yards, you're more likely than not, you know, 90% plus going to get three points and, and get off the field and feel good about yourself. So if this is like all that it is through the next year, you're getting exactly what you need from your kicker. Also, obviously, shout out to Cade Loggins for drawing, (laughs) taking one for the team, as it were. But I also want to flip it to the Marshall side and mention that absurd punt that John McConnell, John McConnell got off. It's a bad snap, and obviously this year, Georgia State fans have seen how bad plays can go when you have a bad snap on a punt near your end zone. But McConnell made Isaiah guy miss, got the ball, got his wherewithal and booted it, and with the bounce, I think it was 56 yards. It's one of the most impressive special teams plays I've ever seen, so even though it's a martial player, I think everyone can appreciate that was kind of an act of just like, wow.
2: It was genuinely crazy. It, like, it was a really, really phenomenal play, um, and especially because that was after the blocked punch, You're Like, oh, here's another one, made the guy miss, and still was able and... to get the, the punt off.
1: That was pre the final Georgia State drive that made it 41-24. It was, game was still in the balance. Like Marshall gets a stop there, gets the ball back. There was enough time that they could have still come back and tied or taken the lead. If he doesn't get that and it's 41-24 on a touchdown again on special teams, like that's the game. Like there is so much, there was so much on just like, I need to get this punt off in this moment. And keeping your cool is something I think a lot of a lot of us would pretend we would be able to do, but I can't lie. I mean, I think I'd go a little bit mad in that little moment and just be like, oh my God, what's about to happen? And the the last note that I have, this is something I saved, just kind of put a bow on this game. It's something that I noticed when I watched the game back that I didn't catch live. There was a moment, I think David pointed out to me before the show, it was last year's game in Huntington. Marshall had just taken 21-17 lead. Georgia State had led for most of the way in that regular season finale against kind of all odds. It's the one kind of moment from that game I still really think about because it was just like a, you never see this often, which was Darren Granger drop back to pass on three straight plays on that offensive possession. He was sacked on all three of them. Georgia State punted it away. And it kind of symbolized how that game went, especially with the second half, just kind of collapsing, losing a lead. Story of 2022. On that drive that Marshall got the ball after George State made it 34-24, wasn't a perfect marriage. You know, life sometimes imitates life, but it doesn't always line up perfectly. George State's defense got a tackle for loss on first down and then a sack on second down and a sack on third down. So it almost felt like a little redemption almost perfectly to the way last year's loss at Marshall went. I just thought that that was funny when I noticed it watching it back.
2: And Georgia State immediately scored, uh, sorry, their next drive. They took some time to actually get in the end zone, which is the same thing that Marshall did last year. So, you know, little cat and mouse game if you're, you know, looking at the year over year of it. How can you not be romantic about football? How can you not be?
0: All right, that's all we have time for in this edition of the post game show. Uh, of course, we'll be back on Thursday with our normal podcast previewing this weekend's matchup with Louisiana and also getting to the second part of our basketball season preview. So have a great rest of your week and we'll see you then.